listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. Hi, um, my name is Dr. Daisy Morales-Campos. I'm a research assistant professor who does cancer prevention and disparities research with Latinos here at the Latino Research Institute. I'm also the mother of a 10-month-old little girl who has Down syndrome. Her name's Marla. And I'll be hosting this week's Latin Experts episode in honor of Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Today, we have the honor of talking with Marianne and Belarmino Castellanos, who are parents of nine-year-old Luke, and Norma and Jose Urbino, who are parents of three-year-old Elias, about raising a child with Down syndrome. So I'd like to welcome you. Bienvenidos a Latin Experts. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we'll get started with our first question of the evening. First off, what do Latinx parents need to know about supporting a loved one with Down syndrome? Norman Jose, you want to go first? To support a loved one with Down syndrome is to treat the child the same as any other kid. Don't make them feel any different. You know, don't make the child feel like they're different because if you do that, we feel that that's how they're going to grow up feeling. And that once they get to a certain age, They'll probably feel isolated. They'll feel left out, in other words. We really do encourage parents to treat them the same like your other child. They're not any different. You know, they're just special needs, but that's about it. Just treat them the same. Make them feel as welcome as you would any other of your kids. Belarmino and Marianne? Yes, to let others know that you are not alone, that this is a wonderful community that you have just joined, and that there is no better time than now as resources, tools, services are more available now more than ever. Yeah, and I and I, I agree with everything that everyone is saying here. Um, Luke, um, one of the things that we've learned in our community here in San Antonio is that there are all these resources, but the other families and everyone out there is going through a variety of different circumstances. So one thing that we need to remember is that everyone is going through a different need for their child and to remember that you may think you're the only one experiencing something, but to keep on talking to your fellow fathers and mothers and parents and guardians and grandfathers and grandparents and and uncles and just friends of the community and just ask them, what is it that you're going through? Because you'll find that someone out there has something that they've experienced that will help you. So it's just really about keeping that communication line open and you'll find that you're not alone and you're all in this together. So what resources helped you the most like when you were first started on your journey with your child? Norma and Jose, I don't know if you want to go first or whoever wants to answer the question is perfectly fine. The Down Syndrome Association from Central Texas, that was one of the groups that we actually joined and uh, that really helped us a lot because they made us feel that we were not alone. It's a Down syndrome association where we used to meet once a month. And uh, you get the opportunity to meet little ones who, uh, with them and you get parents. Okay. Conversate with them and you learn from their experience. 
And I also want to ask, just like the other parents that are joining us today, joining this Down Syndrome Association, we learn from each other. We learn the different abilities that our child have, at what age did they start walking, what age did they start crawling, just doing different uh, things in their life. And it really does make you feel that you're not alone, and it makes you feel that everything's going to be just fine. You know, it's just a matter of having patience and walking along with your child. Great. Belarmino, Marianne, do you want to add any other resources that were useful or helpful to you all? Yes, definitely. And Luke was in the NICU. Our nurse actually was assigned for, to Luke. Um, she was part of the DSA STX here in San Antonio. And she actually helped us get the resources that we need. And we actually went to a play group um, while Luke was in the NICU. And we got to meet other parents and talk to other just other families and just watching their children play and just gathering all of, and I know it's in your time, your pace, just like our children, right? When you're ready for all of that information, just to always remember that it's there. And for us, the play groups, the moms groups, the dads groups, those type of resources were very helpful, especially in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. The the Down Syndrome Association of South Texas uh, was very helpful in connecting us with other groups uh, from Any Baby Can to the ARC, but certainly just understanding where everyone was joining and going to and, and what resources were available that aren't off the internet necessarily, but certainly the type of things that you find out sometimes two or three years down the road, they were able to help us find out early on. Uh, we found out that, that Luke uh, was going to go through a different uh, journey than we expected. So it's been really helpful to start off with the DSA. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's great. Thank you for sharing. I know a lot of parents are going to appreciate knowing what's out there that they can access. So for our next question, what's one thing you wish you had known when you received your child's diagnosis? Well, uh, uh, Norma and Jose, I don't know if uh, y'all had something top of mind, but I've got to say that from our experience, y'all heard that Luke, uh, he's almost going to be 10. Uh, he'll be 10 in December. And what's unique about Luke is that he is a nonverbal. Like uh, he really says uh, very few words, like one or two words that he has said over the course of the years. And uh, being nonverbal, we found that speech is absolutely an interesting dynamic that whenever he was in school, his first two years at age three and four, Uh, We didn't know that Luke was going to have such prolonged period of not necessarily speaking with his words. He does communicate through other means, but we found that, boy, does speech impact the ability in the school system for someone to be able to really be included in all those support groups and all the different avenues and tools and, and just the channels that are provided in the school system speech is as critical as it comes. And and that's what we're working on with Luke. And that was the one thing that we didn't realize how critical speech does impact the educational route that a student would have within the school system, special needs or not. So that was something that we discovered. Right. And also for Luke, he's homeschooled right now. Playgroups are different. And I hope that a lot of other families know that our goal, I think, for our children is just for them to become the best version of themselves. And for Luke, it's a different path than other children in the community. And we've learned that through the years. We love all the input. But then we take that with us and we put it to Luke because he's a little, he's an individual. And we've learned that 
all of that just makes him that much more special, unique. It's just the community. You take all of those things in. And over the years, we've learned that it just helps us kind of make our plan for him and to helping him become the best version of himself. Awesome. That's great to hear. Norma uh, Jose? For us, Elias, he was born before time, 31 weeks. He was in the NICU. The struggle that we had with him, it was mainly on his feeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, his uh, formula. Mm-hmm. And that's been a little challenging. That's something that we had to learn. He almost came home with a G2, but he was able to manage before the, he went into surgery. He started eating like he had never eaten before. With time, we, it just took a little bit longer to feed him. So we have to be a little bit more patient with him. The Olympia race is three years old. He's not able to eat solid. But he pretty much, he, he eats anything. Now we can put in a blender and blend it for him. He'll, uh, he'll eat it. So he has tried just different meals, pizza, tamales, and anything we can put in the blender. He can. So I'm really hoping that with time, he will develop his eating skills and Hopefully, one of these days he'll start eating all by himself. As far as his learning how to say words, I think he's doing great. You know, it came to a point where I was like, this is not going anywhere. He's not learning how to pronounce words. But it's just out of the sudden, man, these kids, they are so great. They're so smart. And now he even says words in Spanish and English. That's one uh, you know, awesome thing about being bilingual, I guess you can say that. We we're hoping that as he gets older, he can also be bilingual himself. I think that would be so great for him in his life. And he's starting to say more and more words, and we're happy to, to see that. No, that's awesome. Because I know that when the children are born, sometimes they have, like, say, heart issues or anything like that. Did either of you have any experience with that, or were the kids pretty pretty healthy? Well, as far as Elias, he's been healthy uh, 100%, you know. He's three, he's almost four, and, and we're proud to say that he's only had fever once in his uh, life, and it's probably lasted about two days, and other than that, he's perfectly healthy. That's wonderful to hear about Elias, uh, Jose, and Norma, and uh, we are very blessed that uh, he has uh, several friends that have had heart issues and other diagnoses, but what, what impacted Luke was more um, the low muscle tone related to his ligaments did mm-hmm. lead uh, to the hip dysplasia, and he did have hip surgery. Something that we would like to remind folks is that um, that we I wish we would have known this early on was, you know how when children like to sit down on their knees and have their two feet out, almost like in a W shape, mm-hmm. as cute as that looks, that is actually pulling apart those hips. And when you have a child with Down syndrome, that's something to watch for. And Luke wouldn't do that very often, but it was certainly something that impacted his walking until he started walking around four and a half. But that little clicking sound we heard, we took him to the orthopedic uh, surgeon and they discovered that he did have a need for surgery. So that was uh, the only thing other than some minor hearing loss and of course some vision, but he's very healthy and we're very blessed in that regard. That's wonderful. Now, moving on to the next question, was there anything that you learned the hard way, like through the journey with your child, with your loved one with DS, that you'd like to share with other families out there? Well, for us, for for Luke, I would just love to tell other mothers, just trust your instinct. You're going to get a lot of opinions, feedback, and, and, and try to take it all in. 
and you know your child best and you know what works for your child. And I know we put a lot of pressure on ourselves just period as parents. But when it comes to your child who has special needs, it takes on another type of feeling. And so uh, just you know, to trust your gut and to appreciate every milestone, every small milestone. We know in our community, those small milestones, those are really big to us. And just to celebrate it and know that your child will reach those milestones at his or her own pace. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with her. Uh-huh. You know, when, when having a special needs child, everything they start learning, everything they do is a time to celebrate. Honestly, there's nothing that I feel like a struggle. It just takes a, a little longer for them. And anything they do, like holding their own bottle or taking their first step, or even like blowing a candle out, all that is a time to celebrate. Every milestone they reach is uh, a celebration. And it makes it a very unique and it makes it very special. Mm-hmm. As very far true. as for me, what I can share about that is the hardest thing that I would probably say that I went through is, as we mentioned, Elias was in the NICU for, for three And uh, leaving him behind every day, going home every day, knowing that your baby is not coming home with you. But... I think the hardest part was when they told us he was ready to come home. I was so used to him being taken care of by professionals that once they say, you know, he's ready to go home now, I'm like, okay, so what do we do now? It's, what if he's not a, What if he's not ready? Is he going to be okay? As a father, I asked myself that back then, you know, like, is he going to be okay? What if we can't feed him the way they taught us? But as, as time went by, like other parents say, it's very true. Every milestone is a celebration time now. I wish we knew even more parents that were going through what we went through back then and we can share our experiences with them and we can let them know it's so awesome to be a parents of special needs, you know, children. It's a blessing. It's awesome. And you're not alone out there. There are support groups out there and it can be done. It is possible. No, thank you for sharing. And that's one of the main reasons we wanted to do this podcast to help other folks out there by sharing your experiences. Bellarmino, did you want to say add to that? Certainly, Luke has four older siblings, and you don't. Um, the milestones are going to be different for every child to the extent of when you have a child with a Down syndrome. So you do tend to relish in every milestone differently. But one thing that I have learned in meeting other dads, especially a brand new dad, or if it's their first child and their first child happens to have Down syndrome, is just understanding that there are so many folks out there that will help. And the finances, that is certainly a big concern uh, that comes up every time that I speak to a new parent. And mm-hmm. they're and they're thinking, how am I going to be able to support a child with special needs? How am I going to support this financially? And especially in our community, it comes up more so. And just know that is something that at the beginning, yeah, it makes your heart tremble. But you can do it and it's very possible and you will find that the resources are there, but everyone comes to help and you'd be surprised. It just all happens to fall into place. And that is something that you have to learn through experience of how to maneuver through the governmental agencies, but also just learning that the needs are different, but they're not necessarily something that you would have be overcome um, a family's uh, financial structure to that extent. So that is something that you just have to work through. And and that's something that I found out later, right, as the years went by. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to share that. 
No, thank you. I know that's something that does come up a lot. I know my husband and I had talked about that too when Marla was first born too. So we're actually kind of close to our closing time. So I'm going to go to our, our final question. So what message would you give your younger self at the birth of your child? Now that you're where you're at today, what would you say to yourself back then? Me and Norma, I would to do whatever it takes and support your child so the heartbeat can continue beating. You're not going to be the only one. There's plenty of help out there. You're not by yourself. And just do whatever it takes for the heart not to stop beating. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I, I would say the same thing. You know, Just do whatever it takes to not only keep the heart beating, but to make every day count. For, for these little ones to make every day count and to make them as happy as they can be. And if I may add this, if any parents will be listening out there, if you ever feel that things do get hard, just get in their world, go in their world and see, and you'll see how everything just turns around real, real easy and real fast. No, thank you for sharing. Yes, definitely too. That was um, another thing, you know, when, what he just said, when things are really hard for us, I just get a hug from him and it's just everything. Everything just becomes okay. (laughs) And I'm going to start crying. (laughs) The the joy um, of this journey is something that when uh, you start uh, this path, uh, you don't know how much joy and love uh, for everything in life that is going to come about. And, uh, And that's something that I wish I would have just known because that's what we're trying to advocate every day is to just let everybody know that you're going to enjoy every moment with your child as you would any of your other children, and that this is just a different journey. And I, I, uh, I wish I would have heard that more so from even the doctors that I always spoke to, as nice as they were, um, just knowing that everything's going to be a great new journey for you. But, uh, but thank you, Daisy, for this too. Appreciate you. No, thank you. And Thank you for sharing about your children and your lives. I know that this podcast will help parents out there that are just starting out in their journey. And I'd like to thank Marianne and Norma. You were two of the first people I met when Marlo was born. And y'all talked to me and answered my questions. And I really appreciated you back then. And I'm so happy that you were able to, to join us today for this podcast and be able to pass on that knowledge to other people. So thank you all too. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, all. This is Ashley Nava Monteros, the Communications Associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.